Good morning. Tip of the morning to you. Welcome to Simply Remarkable on this St. Patrick's Day. How exciting. Now, Remarkable was created. Um, the show for you was created so that you could get to meet personally and get to know personally the talent that we represent here at Remarkable, a Speakers Bureau. And I'm Sue Falcone, your host and the founder and CEO of Remarkable. Well, you'll also see that we have all kinds of talent for uh, representation here. And today you may see that you find your next speaker for an event you're planning or someone else's planning. And you might just find some remarkable tips on how to live like our talent lives. And they could bring that to your organization too. Now, thank you for joining us here on this St. Patrick's Day. We're ready to have a great time and it's three days officially till spring. So that's another thing to celebrate. And since I'm three quarters Irish, yeah, I just had to dress up and it's time today to have a party. So we're ready to party, are you? And it's also March Madness. We're in the tournament of the basketball for the national championship. And I'm so excited that my team won last night and advances. I hope yours did too. So again, let's get started. And I want to tell you, our special guest today is the Remarkable International. Dave Caperton, who's a keynote speaker. He's an author. And he brings joy, driven success, and the connective power of compassionate humor. Don't you love that? I can't wait. His journey to becoming a keynote speaker for over a thousand organizations serving four continents began as a teacher. He's an award-winning teacher. And then that led to stand-up comedy and radio. Wow. And that led to developing corporate training and becoming that keynote speaker that you all love. And he used his concept of joy as a strategy for sustainable success and laughter as a path to common ground and stress relief. Don't we know that's true? Yes. Now, Dave combines his business experiences and teaching strategies with razor sharp humor, definitely there, and his comic timing to provide transformative insights on creating business and building a workplace culture. Now listen to this, where engagement, retention and services are simply the byproducts of making joy a mission level goal. Wow, I love that. When, yeah. Do you have joy as your mission in your business? I hope so. Now, unlike other humor speakers, Dave's humor doesn't just entertain, which it does, but it's a vehicle to deliver relevant and transformative content aimed at empowering individuals to realize 
their own power of one to lead positive cultural change where they are right now and with the tools they already possess. Now look, he has been requested to bring his experience by all the iconic major organizations such as Boeing, the Cleveland Clinic, J.P. Morgan Chase, on joy, yeah, on joy. And he's also the author of Happiness is a Funny Thing. I want to welcome the remarkable Dave Caperton to our show today. And we just thank you, Dave, for joining us. Well, thank you, Sue. It is exciting to be here. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I know that everybody who's tuning in uh, won't be watching this on this day, but I wanted to be I wanted to be on on brand for the celebration today. So I looked around and thought, what do I have that's green? And this is all I could find. So I've got my green tie on and I am ready to say Aaron Gobra and uh, just just uh, celebrate today. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, you look great. Let me Thank tell you. you, we're ready to have this begin this fast 30 minutes because it just flies by. It does. Now, since this is St. Patrick's Day, and all the talk around us is about being lucky. How did you become known as the joy strategist? Was it just luck or something else? <laughs> well, you know, I, I describe myself that way. I'll say, well, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the joy strategist. And someone said, well, that, sound, that sounds like a pretty cool job. How do you get a job like that? I said, it's easy. I made it up. Um, <laughs> really. Uh, all I saw was uh, a need out there in the workplace and most of my clients, I don't think anyone disagrees with the idea that, hey, uh, we want more happiness in what we do. We want people to be joyful in their work. Um, but uh, there are certainly there are realities that erode our joy. And certainly what we've been through the last few years has been an indicator of that. But it's so important to our success. So you mentioned that, you know, it's a mission level goal in the introduction because all of our missions of the organizations that I work with, whether it's in, in the corporate world or in healthcare or in, in education or even nonprofits, they all come down to two basic things. And those two basic elements are the questions that you answer in your mission statement. Who do you serve? Who is your, who's going to be the recipient of your goods or services, the beneficiary of that, your customer? Who do you serve? And then the other part is how are you going to measure success at that? But I really think that there's a third question that we need to ask ourselves, and it may be the missing piece that we are now seeing the fallout from not answering uh, adequately. And that is how are you bringing some joy to that process? How are you doing that? Because if you fail on bringing the joy, the first people who are going to be affected by that are those who are your star talent, the people who are delivering all of that for you. So what do we have now? We got quiet quitting. We've got uh, labor shortages. We've got all these people who, uh, Sue, did you realize that in, the last, in 2022, 50 million people quit their jobs? 50 million. It's unbelievable that we have, and that's just 2022. Um, and so it, it really does beg the question, what's going on? Um, well, if you really look, dig into what some of the surveys are, are finding, 
you'll find that what's missing is that joy element because in a, in a recent the recent statistics that I saw, 36% of the people who quit their jobs in the last year said that they did it because uh, of compensation or benefits. Okay, it's a transaction, obviously. Uh, 5% said they couldn't, they really didn't know why, which was amazing to me. I'm thinking, so we have five people out of every 100 who quit who don't even know why they did it. I, why did you quit a job that so changed your, your livelihood? And I don't know. Uh, that's that's strange. I don't know. Was it a peer pressure, a TikTok challenge? I don't know. But they quit and they don't know why. But let's set them aside and look at the remaining 59%. And then the remaining 59% all said very similar things. They said, I don't feel recognized. I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I'm part of something. They don't respect work-life balance. Uh, I don't really have connections and relationships at work or the relationships I have are toxic. So they're not finding joy in what they do. And after I think what happened over the last two and a half, three years with the pandemic, we're, at first we said, everybody go home. And then we said, all right, we're going to do it remotely. We're going to work remotely and virtually. Uh, and then, okay, everybody come back. And uh, Sue, do you remember there was a joke many years ago? I was a kid and it was about this man who was hitting himself on the head with a hammer. And so somebody walked by and they said, what are you doing? Why are you hitting yourself on the head with a hammer? He said, because it feels so good when I stop. And I think that's kind of what's happened is we, we had a moment to stop across in all these different industries, across many different workplaces, people stopped. And then we handed them their hammer back and we said, get to work again. And they went, you know what? No. And so they're asking questions about what really is is this for me? Am I fulfilling a purpose? Am I really connecting with other people? Do I feel like I'm being fulfilled in ways that the paycheck's not going to provide? And when that answer comes up short, they say, you know what? Life is too short because time is the only irreplaceable resource. So I'm not going to waste any more of mine doing something that doesn't bring me joy. So what I do is I just want to bring that message and say, you know what? Bringing joy to what we do isn't the matter of just choosing joy. It's about making all kinds of little choices along the way that add up to more joy in the work experience and in our personal relationships and in our lives, in and out of work. So I see it wasn't just luck. It was strategy. It yeah. was thinking about it. And you've created a concept that we can bring into our lives. And in reading your book, Happiness is a Funny Thing, it's known as not a how-to, it's known as a why-to. Right. Why make the choices, the positive things to increase our happiness and that can lead to less stress and, like you said, more joy uh, and job, relationship, satisfaction, and better health. Right. Tell us now, what are some of those why choices that you're talking about? Well, you know, when we talk about, I mean, every year that goes by, I make a New Year's resolution, as a lot of people do. I'm going to lose this, this last 10 pounds. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get my, my uh, fiscal health in, improved. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to set goals for myself. Um, the, the, the obstacle that is really the toughest to overcome isn't, how to. We know how to. There are endless books that tell us 
how to get to, how to get to be more financially independent, how to be more successful, how to lead others, uh, how to do all these things, just about anything you can think of. So why don't we just change? We've got YouTube videos to tell us how to do everything. I've got Google searches and Siri and all these resources now right at my fingertips. I can change myself in any way I want without even having to consult outside my own home. So what is it that stops me? And I really believe the reason is there's not a significant why. And a lot of times that's why, you know, when someone is battling addiction and they say you had to hit rock bottom, why do you have to hit rock bottom? Because then the way I've heard it phrased, and I thought this was a great way to look at it, the change, the, the, the pain of the status quo finally got to be greater than the pain of change. So when we really find a why to, and I think that's what's happening with all the quiet quitting and the labor shortage and the re great resignation is people are saying there's a why that I need to change it up. And so they're taking some really drastic action. And some of it may be destructive, but I think if we look at why is a powerful question to ask, because all of our change is right there. Um, and I don't know if I, I know you're you're down in North Carolina and it is tobacco country and people people smoke uh, down there. And we know that smoking is one of the worst things it is. I've heard doctors say it's the number one uh, preventable cause of early death. Now, that should be why too enough, right? And it's right there on the package. It says the Surgeon General has determined that smoking is dangerous to your health and all these terrible things that can happen to you. Yet I've never seen a cigarette smoker look down at the package and go, oh my God, did you read this? I'm done. That somehow isn't a significant enough why to change. So why might arrive when they make a visit to their doctor and all of a sudden they find something that looks suspicious and they call them in for another look. And all of a sudden you see when we are scared of, of, of our own, it's an existential threat. Sometimes why has arrived. So if we can somehow get ourselves to the why to, so I, I really think that's the question I want to answer for my audiences is this is why it's important. It's why it's important for your health and your level of stress. It's why it's important for your organization. Uh, the how-tos follow why. If I have a strong enough why, I'll have no trouble doing the how. Exactly. Exactly. And you're coming to us today from where? I'm coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, home of the Ohio State University. I, <laughs> I gotta get that in. I'm a, I'm a Buckeye alum. So right now, anybody tuning in from Michigan has just said, well, not that guy. So, <laughs> Well, we won't hold that against you at all. No, we don't. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, because, hey, we're all in this joyful together. All right. We got to see yeah. good games. We got to see good games. So we're good. We're we good. need each other, right? All of us. That's it. That's it. Gives us energy, gives us laughter because we can laugh at the mistakes, right? Right, right. <laughs> and all that. So that's what you bring to us, that uh, that joy from that. Now, I've seen a famous quote of yours, and I it really resonated with me. And I said, okay, how does, how, why and how do we do this? Because the quote says, if you want people to do something, they first need to feel something. Right. Now, right. 
how can we help people feel something? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I was a teacher for a lot of years, and I was always fascinated by uh, how we learn. You know, and we as teachers, as educators, a lot of times we're thrust into here's, here's the process of teaching and building lesson plans and doing all the things that you do. Um, but we don't really spend much time looking at that organ of learning, the brain and how it works. And one of the most amazing things to me was uh, in functional MRI brain uh, imaging, uh, they were able to see the brain working in real time. And in a learning episode, when people learn, the first th part of their brain that lights up is not the rational part that is we think of as uh, the resp responsible for cognitive higher function, not that cerebral part. It's the limbic system, the emotional centers of the brain. So when we feel something, we feel an emotion, that is a, a pathway for us to remember and for us to change and for us to, it, it becomes a very transformative thing. So the emotion uh, always precedes the action. And so if we're going to make change in other folks, we first of all have to, I mean, you've heard that old, uh, that old uh, quote that I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. And I think that's, that, that holds true in every area of our lives. That the emotional, we are emotional beings. And uh, yeah, we have to control them. But if we aren't really understanding what others need, we're not going to be effective leaders. If I'm not supplying what others need, you know what? They're going to find other options. And so, you know, when I talk to folks who are in leadership positions, um, I just talked to a group uh, down in New Orleans uh, two days ago uh, who were uh, administrators and managers of dermatology practices. And, you know, they're, they're dealing with all these things that everybody is dealing with right now. People are quitting. People are, are not really putting, they're, they're disengaged. And, uh, you know, what I reminded them was I said, these are old problems with new terms. There's nothing new about this. The I'm, disengagement was what we called it before. Now we call it quiet quitting. Now, it has reached a level and a pitch that I think is a little unusual and unique. Uh, but these things have been going on a long time. But they're not new problems. In fact, and the solutions aren't new solutions. So way back in 1940, the New York Labor Relations Board, they they surveyed employers and employees and they asked them the same question. What do employees want? What do they want out of their job? And the employers, not too surprisingly, said, well, they want higher pay. Right. And they want job security and they want chances for advancement. And those are the top three that they want. Then they turned and they asked the employees, what do you want? And those three things certainly made the list. But in 1940, they didn't make the top three. And in every subsequent decade, when this same survey was, was, was uh, conducted with a group of people uh, who were out there in the workforce, it never finished. Those never finished in the top three. What do you think was number one that they said they wanted from their work and from their uh, employers? What do they want? You got a guess? Mm. Putting you on the spot. Or... Yeah, it was it was recognition. Oh, they want somebody to recognize what they're doing, right? They want to be seen. They want to be seen in what they do, seen and heard, right? The second thing was they want to feel included in something that's bigger than them. I've got to feel like I'm part of something that has a purpose and that I'm valued part. 
You know, there was a meme that went around that I think drove a lot of the resignation. Uh, and it was very popular. Maybe you saw it. And it was just simply a, a, a picture with this on it. It said, if you died on the job, what would go up first? Your obituary or your job vacancy, your job posting? That spoke to so many people. They went, you know what? I don't think that I count. I don't think that I matter. I think I'm a replaceable piece. So it's recognition. It's inclusion. And the third one is I want to know that somebody cares about me and my personal problems. And I think humor is one of the ways that we share this. We, we, when people laugh together, they feel part of something that uh, binds them together. They're part of a group. Right. It builds trust. I think when people show kindnesses to one another, when they celebrate together, uh, those are all little choices that bring uh, the reality of a joyful workplace and work experience to fruition. It really uh, is just a simple matter of making little choices. Uh, have you ever seen that uh, button that says choose joy and they have it on? And I think that's great. You know, certainly I agree with that. Right. Yeah. Choose joy. I've got joy right back there. It's part of my brand, speaking of joy. Um, but what does it mean to choose joy? It, it's a lot like choosing health. You know, I, I as, as I get older, uh, I realize that I, I, I want to make a change in my health. And uh, it's it's March here. It's still kind of gray and, and cold here in Ohio. Uh, but I know that it's going to be warm weather soon. And you know how I'll know, Sue? It's when I look outside and I see all the men in my neighborhood stripping their shirts off to cut their grass. That's the sun. I, and I've learned that there are two types of men who do this. There are men who do it because they're proud of their bodies. And there are those who really shouldn't. Okay, now that, and that's me. I'm in that category. But I am uh, very pleased to tell you, I, I am always fully clothed out of deference to my neighbors when I go out to cut the grass. Uh, but I have a buddy of mine. He goes out and he looks good. And so I was over one day and I said, man, you look so good. Uh, I wish I had a physique like that. And uh, he's from down in part of the country where you're from, Sue. And he's a little farther south than you. And he's got this wonderful draw. And everything he says, I love to hear him talk because he sounds so nice. You know, he could say, hey, why don't y'all get off my lawn? And you'd go, thank you. He is so nice. Uh, but I, So I told him, you know, you look good. He said, Dave. I just go down to the gym. He goes, I'll take you down with me. I'll show you some basic exercises. It'll work every major muscle group, just six exercises. He said, Dave, in 24 workout hours, you'll have a body you'd be proud of. And I thought, 24 hours? I'm going to be buffed by the weekend. This is great. Uh, but then I learned that workout hours are a little different, right? It's one hour each session, three sessions each week for eight weeks. That's how long it takes. But I went, I said, okay, what are we going to do? And he said, we're going to start with some squats. Now, Sue, do you know what squats are? You know oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you take the barbell, you put it across your shoulder, you squat way down as far as you can go, and you come back to a full upright position. And it hurts, okay, <laughs> a lot. Uh, but I did it. I got finally up, and I was proud of myself. I said, I did it. He said, well, don't get too excited, Dave. That's just one. We're going to do nine more of those in our first set. We're going to do two more sets of 10 of those. And we do five other exercises, do three sets of 10 each. Now, I thought that's a complicated math problem. But, Sue, I'm proud to say that I worked that out right in my head and came up with the answer, which was, no, he ain't. It's <laughs> <laughs> not happening, right? But I did. I struggled through seven of them. And, man, I was grunting, 
sweat is stinging my eyes. I'm gasping for breath. They had mirrors on every surface so we could witness our own agony in that gym. And I'm seeing myself, ah, awful, awful. Veins standing out in my neck like ropes. And finally, I stopped huffing and puffing seven reps in. And I said, what is the benefit of this exercise? He said, Dave, you do this exercise for the next eight weeks. Man, you're going to have you a butt that'll crack walnuts. And I, I said, is that what we've been working toward? I, this, I, I put the weight down. I said, I don't want one. I said, it's just not a skill I see myself using all that often, not even as a party trick, right? But here's my question. What if I had stuck with it? Is there any doubt that over eight weeks I would have failed to see a result? No, right? I know that if I continue to put resistance on muscles, they don't have any choice. They must get stronger. That's just how it works. So the way I approach this whole question of bringing joy to what you do, it isn't one thing you do. It's a series of small choices that you make that must create an outcome of more job satisfaction, of higher morale, of, of less quitting and, and hanging on to your, uh, your good talent. It must, because it's what we need. It is absolutely those emotional needs that we all come in to be recognized, to be included, to be cared about, and to feel part of something that is positive. And so that's all it really is. is so I've just kind of broken it down to, here are some small choices and Guess what? Every single person has the ability to lead this change. And that to me is the most compelling part of this entire message is it isn't up to just the leadership, although they should listen closely, I believe, and practice this because they have so much power to change the, the, the climate where they work. But it can happen anywhere from anyone up and down the hierarchy can affect this kind of cultural change. Wow. This is great. Now, I we would love to go on for because I know our audience would just love to have go on and on. But and I see now that it is the choices that we do and consistent that we do and how we live, how we change that lifestyle. And wow, every anyone can do that. Yes, that's true. Anyone can. Anyone, right. In closing today, I want to ask you a question of this. Oh. What are you going to do today to be remarkable? You know what? What I'm going to do today to be remarkable is to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate because celebration is here today we we're celebrating something most people don't even know why saint patty's day what do we celebrate i don't know there's green beer i'm in right <laughs> why do we celebrate but the act of celebration is one of those joy choices so today i'm going to lean into the celebration and you know what celebration really is i mean sometimes it is the yay everybody's together and we're cheering and it's the it's the march madness kind of a thing big celebration what i think is remarkable and it could be a powerful remarkable tool for change is to make the celebration small because i really believe we can define celebration as joyful attention to the smallest positives my wife and i we sit together every morning since she retired from teaching and we do something we couldn't do all those years that she was teaching and that is on a weekday we can sit together and have coffee together 
And it just is this, these three words that we say every day. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? And it reminds us that remarkable experiences aren't something that come rarely. They're there all the time. We just have to tune into it. And we just got a comment from Mara. I love this. She says, thank you. I'll share this fantastic message with my daughter. Oh, I love sharing. Well, that is that is a remarkable thing for me. Thank you for sharing that. And anyone else, because the challenge now is Dave has shared his. We want to know what are you going to do today to be remarkable? I can tell you this. I'm going to an organization and we're going to have lunch and it's going to be fun because we'll all probably be dressed up in our green and one another and saying it's the end of the week. And then <laughs> my husband and I, we're going dancing tonight. Ooh, and, uh, you know, in our green, it's a big party, but it's fun. You know, it's totally without um, alcohol or smoking or any of that. It's just fun and a live band. Now, what can you do? So we just challenge everybody out there. Find what you're remarkable going to do today and let us know what yours is. Now, um, we hope you will join us back here next week, next Friday, the 24th, March the 24th, as our guest then will be Michael P. Solomon. Now, he's an award-winning keynote speaker. He's known as the motivator. Big, big word. He was a former New York City Police uh, Special Investigator, an intelligent officer for the U.S. State Department. He's a survivor of a bizarre double murder attempt on his life and was named, among others, as a Time Magazine's Person of the Year. He is a best-selling author of Where Did My America Go? So you will not want to miss Michael P. Solomon next week with us. Now, how can you uh, know where we're always at that you can go back and see? This is our 30th episode of Simply Remarkable. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's where all um, the videos are. And if you forgot anything that Dave said today, it's going to be on there soon. And you can yes, go right to I have. <laughs> now it's like, whoa, yeah, we'll make this memorable. <laughs> Dave, we got to do that. We got to do that. And we just hope that you have a remarkable St. Patty's Day weekend, March Madness, and that you have found that joy and laughter is key in our workplaces and in our lives. Thank you, Dave, so much for giving us a message that we can take with us and share as some are already starting to do. So we thank you so much and we will have you back because we know we want to hear more. Oh. And thank you for watching everyone, joining us and have a remarkable weekend. See ya.